your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 739 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube and the Rangers last night, Thursday night, uh, losing a very competitive back-and-forth game that obviously could have gone either way to the Tampa Bay Lightning in Tampa by a final score of 2-1. to one. The game was decided in a 6 round shootout. I thought both goalies were absolutely outstanding in this game, but the biggest story coming into this game and probably even coming out of it was, of course, the decision by Gerard Gallant and the Ranger coaching staff to make Alexi Lafreniere a healthy scratch in place of Sammy Blay. So we're going to talk quite a bit about uh, the Lafreniere situation, what this could mean going forward, what I believe Gerard Gallant's thought process was here as far as the decision to scratch Lafreniere in the first place, and also going to... uh, you know, talk a little bit about the game as well. I thought the Rangers, you know, had a lot of opportunities to win this game. Like I said, I thought both goalies were at the top of their game. And the Rangers really squandered an opportunity in overtime. They had a power play opportunity, uh, four on three, and basically tried to pass the puck into the net. So we're going to break all that down in just a second. Uh, but first, you know, the topic that everybody's buzzing about if you're a Ranger fan and really even just general hockey fans. I think this caught the attention of a lot of people that just, you know, follow this league in general. But that, of course, was once again the decision to make Alexi Lafreniere a healthy scratch. And for starters, let me just say that I do not agree with this decision by Gerard Gallant. I'm going to explain why in just a second. Before I do that, I want to first just kind of try to figure out exactly what Gallant was thinking here, what the logic was, what the reasoning was behind it. And I saw, you know, he was asked about it before the game, obviously. And he said something along the lines of, you know, trying to win a hockey game and we want to see more consistency from Alexi Lafreniere. I don't believe that this decision was made because Gerard Gallant truly, truly believes that the Rangers are a better team with Alexi Lafreniere watching from the press box and guys like Johnny Brodzinski and Sammy Blay who replaced Lafreniere in the lineup, guys like that playing over Alexi Lafreniere. I don't think so. And it's possible that I, I could be wrong about that, and I'll explain why uh, in just a second. But first, the main reason why I think this was done by Gerard Gallant and this coaching staff is because, like he said, he expects a little bit more out of Alexi Lafreniere, more consistency, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, for one, expect more out of basically every single player on this New York Ranger team than what we got on Tuesday against the Capitals, the first game coming out of the holiday break. And, you know, it just wasn't a good night for the Rangers. Uh, But that's one of the main reasons why I don't think it made a ton of sense to single out Alexi Lafreniere and make him a healthy scratch in this game is because I don't think... There were that many Rangers that exactly set the world on fire in that game against the Capitals. Bottom line, Tuesday night was a bad night. Rangers, they ran into a tough Capitals team. The Caps had won 9 out of 10 going into that game. You know, I know they were missing some guys, but they're obviously playing very well. The Rangers were in that game right from the start, right up until Gerard Gallant, you know, pushed the button and the shuffle button and basically just, you know, rearranged the entire uh, lineup for the Rangers, guys moving all up and down the lineup, the lines being juggled again. 
The Rangers in that game were down one to nothing to the Capitals. The only goal that they allowed is when the Capitals had a five-on-three advantage. Rangers were starting to find their game a little bit. Glant shuffles the lines. Lafreniere gets dropped down. And of course, he ends up uh, being a healthy scratch. Lafreniere was really the only player that paid the price uh, for what happened with the Rangers losing four to nothing on Tuesday night. Now, to get back to something that I was talking about just a second ago, my thoughts, again, when this change was made and Sammy Blay was going to be in the lineup and Alexi Lafreniere was not, was that Gallant is doing this to light a fire under Alexi Lafreniere, to challenge him to be the player that we all you know, think that he can eventually be in this league. I don't think it has anything really at all to do with Sammy Blay because I saw a lot of people posting comments like, wow, imagine thinking that Sammy Blay gives you a better chance to win than Alexi Lafreniere. Again, I do not think that was Gallant's way of thinking because it's just common sense. You know, ask the Lightning who they'd rather have in the lineup, Alexi Lafreniere or Sammy Blay, and you'll have your answer. But the reason why I can't completely rule out the idea that Galant actually believes that the Rangers are a better team with Alexi Lafreniere out of the lineup and watching this game from the press box is because think back to what happened at the end of the playoff run last season. The Rangers were against this very same Tampa Bay Lightning team in this very same building, down three games to two in the Eastern Conference Final, needing to win a game to send it back to the Garden for Game 7. And what did Gerard Gallant do in that game? Well, he made Capo Caco a healthy scratch in favor of Dryden Hunt. And in a situation like that, that's not about, like, you know, giving the kid a mental breather or, you know, just uh, trying to send a message or anything like that. That's because he, he made that move, scratching Capo Caco, because he truly believed that the Rangers for that night, for that game against the Lightning, were a better team with Capo Caco not in the lineup and with Dryden Hunt in the lineup. And the reason that can't even be debated is because the Rangers were facing elimination. You're not going to make a move like that unless you think it actually gives the team a better chance to win. So again, I do not think that's what was going on here with Lafreniere. I think this is more about, once again, just trying to light a fire under Lafreniere, challenge him a little bit, and hopefully uh, Lafreniere can come back and uh, once again be the player that we all expect him to be. I should also point out that uh, Lafreniere was a healthy scratch for the Rangers last season, getting late in the season, but it was a little bit easier to write that one off because it was getting toward the end of the year, and it was very easy to look at it and just say, well, you know, Lafreniere, he's never played this many games before. We want to make sure he's fresh and ready to go for the playoffs and all that good stuff. The Rangers were locked into their playoff spot. They weren't going to miss the playoffs. Uh, it was a very unique situation last year where all eight playoff teams in the Eastern Conference were basically decided by about the midway point of the season. And so if you're the Rangers or really any team that was in a playoff position at the end of last year, you could afford to give guys uh, the odd day off toward the end of the season. And the Rangers did that with Lafreniere. Lafreniere came back strong after that. I believe it was the first game that he played after the healthy scratching uh, that he came back and he had that ridiculous goal against the Red Wings where he you know, played the puck between his legs. And then uh, I believe it was a backhand shot that he scored on. And uh, just just highlight real stuff right there. And obviously had a nice playoff run for himself as well. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I just don't agree with this decision by Gerard Gallant. It's not fair to just single out Alexi Lafreniere when uh, I think pretty much the entire team was a little bit lackluster in the game against the Capitals. And, uh, you know, obviously a lot of that was Gallant's doing because Gallant had these line combinations that going into the break uh, had won eight out of a possible nine games and seemingly we're firing on all cylinders. The line combos, it's not really how you would draw it up at the start of the season, but they were just clicking. You had Mika and Panarin together on the top line with Goodrow. You had the kid line as the second line. You had the third line of Kreider and Trocek and Vizi. So for a 
the first time in a long time, you felt like the, the scoring was kind of spread out and you had three lines that could do some damage on any given night. And the issue that I take with not just the scratching of Lafreniere in this game, but also, you know, the, the constant line juggling, is it felt like, you know, now that we've had a couple of days to digest this, that game against the Capitals on Tuesday, the first game out of the break, it felt like Gallant just sort of had his finger on the button. Like he was just way too ready to make adjustments and make changes when they just did not need to be made. So not a big fan of Gallant, you know, being trigger happy to uh, adjust the line combinations in the most recent game. And of course, these new line combinations have not exactly set the world on fire either. Once Gallant made the switch in uh, the, the last game against the Capitals, it didn't really do anything. The Rangers didn't score any goals. They were shut out the entire night. And of course, right after the line changes were made is when the Rangers gave up uh, the Capitals' second and third goals of the game. Uh, late in the second period, both of them, and they were down 3 nothing going to the third period. And then, of course, in this game, you get a grand total of one goal uh, by the New York Rangers. And I realize you're up against the Lightning, you're up against Vasilevsky, but the bottom line, ever since Gallant made these changes, uh, the Rangers have scored one goal in about three, no, four and a half periods of hockey plus an overtime period. So, yeah, it didn't. It hasn't exactly uh, you know clicked so far. The, these line changes that Glant has made. But we're going to continue talking about Lafreniere in just a second. Uh, but first, just got a very special message for everybody from NHTSA. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride. Now nah, you live nearby. You can make it home. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you total your car, you kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of drunk driving. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. All right, so we're going to go ahead and uh, keep things rolling here, continue to talk about this Lafreniere situation, and also get to the Ranger game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I did want to uh, cover you know, a couple reasons why I don't think Lafreniere should have been scratched. Also, though, I do want to acknowledge the fact that Lafreniere is not completely blameless and that the Rangers do need a little bit more out of him. And I'm also going to explain why I'm willing to at least let this play out. I know for a lot of Ranger fans, this was kind of the last straw as it pertains to Gerard Gallant, but... At times in the past, he has shown a knack of, you know, pushing the right buttons at the right times. Uh, you know, last year in the playoffs, going with uh, the right line combinations at the right times. I think one that really stands out was, you know, when the Rangers were down by a goal to the Penguins in Game 7, he went with a line of Mika Zibanejad, Andrew Kopp, and Alexi Lafreniere, and the three of them had not been playing together at all, and that was the line that tied the game for the Rangers. So it's just one example, but, you know, you get the idea. There's times where he does push the right button. There's other times where he just completely swings and misses, and I think these most recent line changes and the scratching of Alexi Lafreniere is probably an example of the latter, but we're going to talk about all that and, uh, again, continue to just kind of attack this thing from every angle here. But one of the biggest reasons why I don't think Lafreniere should have been scratched, and it's one that I think a lot of you brought up on social media, uh, you know, before the game, 
during the game, after the game, is look at some of the guys that are in this lineup for the Rangers. There's guys that are basically career minor leaguers, career journeymen, and there seems to be this thing where, like, you know, the kids, they the kids have to earn it, right? They have to earn their spot. They have to earn their role in the top six. And yet we see guys like, you know, over the past couple of years, Jesper Faust and, and Colin Blackwell and Dryden Hunt, these guys become mainstays for the Rangers in the top six, or at least they have at different points in the past couple of seasons. We see guys like Brett Howden and Libor Hayek and Julian Gauthier, uh, Patrick Nemeth, Sammy Blay, these guys get chance after chance after chance, despite, you know, not really doing a whole lot, not really producing a whole lot, and at best, for really all of them, just playing competent hockey. That's like the ceiling for all those players that I just mentioned. Uh, another good example, Johnny Brodzinski, he took a terrible penalty in this game. He tripped his guy behind the Tampa Bay net for basically no reason at all, other than just frustration, and I guess trying to get to the puck, but it was a terrible penalty, so... Is Brodzinski going to be held accountable? Is Brodzinski going to be, you know, a healthy scratch for the next game? I guess we'll have to wait and see because if Alexi Lafreniere is a healthy scratch for two straight games, that's when I think people are really going to lose it, and I probably even include myself there. I'm at least a little bit willing, once again, to let this thing play out. Look, Gallant spends a lot of time with these guys. I like to think he has the pulse of the locker room, at least to an extent. So if he thinks that a one-game scratching of Alexi Lafreniere is the way to go, then so be it. I don't agree with it, but... At least you could make the argument that, as I mentioned earlier, he's trying to light a fire under Alexi Lafreniere. But to scratch him in consecutive games, I don't even know where that would leave us or what we're doing at that point. Especially when you've got guys, as I just mentioned, like Sammy Blay, like Johnny Brodzinski, even Jimmy Vesey, who's played very, very well for this Ranger team, but does not seem to be a part of you know, the, the long-term future here. And when I say he's played very well, I just mean that he's played his role very well. Um, not that he's like a, an all-star or anything like that, but, you know, you, you get the idea. Throwing out a couple names here that, um, you know, it really makes your eyebrows go up when you realize that these guys are in the lineup and Alexi Lafreniere is not. Something else I think I got to point to here, the constant line changes. I mean, we've already talked about that a little bit, but I don't think that helps players, young players like Alexi Lafreniere, especially when there have been times this season when he's been in the top six and he seems to start to get it rolling. There was a time very early in the season where Lafreniere was playing the right wing on the second line, and he was out there with Artemi Panarin and Vincent Trocek, and that seemed to click. Those three uh, on certain nights were the best line that the Rangers had. Uh, they linked up for some pretty nice goals. I thought Lafreniere played very well when he was with the two of them. There was also a time not too long ago where the Rangers went with a top line of Lafreniere, Mika Zibanejad, and Capo Caco. And they got away from that pretty quickly, despite the fact that it was working. Uh, for two games, it worked. And then for one game, it wasn't really working that well. And that was the end of that. So Lafreniere got a cameo with uh, Caco and Mika not that long ago. He got a cameo with Panarin and Trocek uh, very early in the season. But they never really stuck with it. They never really stuck with those, either one of those combinations, even though that's when Lafreniere seemed to be playing his best. And another stat that really stood out to me that I saw on social media uh, Lafreniere, you know, despite not having excellent numbers this season, despite uh, not playing up to the standards that I think a lot of us would expect, uh, third in the Rangers for most even strength points. The only two players on the Rangers with more even strength points than Alexi Lafreniere are Artemi Panarin and Adam Fox. And this is a team that's obviously struggling to score goals right now. And you take out the guy that has the third most even strength points, and you replace him with Sammy Blay, who is never going to score a goal for this Ranger team. That's what it feels like. You know, Blay actually had an opportunity in this game. It was in the first period. Uh, Truba 
laid a big hit on his guy, and then Bogosian went to confront Truba and took himself out of the play. Rangers got a two-on-one out of nowhere. You had VZ passing across, you know, like the top of the crease or the slot area over to Sammy Blay. Blay's got an open net, and he misses it. Cannot buy a goal. So as a quick aside, just wanted to kind of get to that highlight. And we'll talk about the rest of the Ranger Lightning highlights as well. But I also want to... Talk a little bit more about Lafreniere here and acknowledge the fact that I do think the Rangers need a little bit more out of him. Uh, so far this season, just 17 points in 36 games, so less than a half point per game. And the thing that really kind of uh, stands out for me when it comes to Lafreniere is there just aren't enough plays that give you that wow factor. You know, I mentioned not too long ago the game against Detroit last season where he played the puck between his legs. I mean, the entire Madison Square Garden crowd like basically gasped when he did it. And then he finishes uh, with a backhand shot, which is beautiful. And it's the kind of thing that you expect for somebody that is labeled a quote-unquote generational talent. Obviously, you're not going to get a moment like that every single night, but it should be happening a little bit more often than it is for Lafreniere. And you watch Lafreniere this season. I mean, his skating is okay. doesn't really stand out. Uh, his shot doesn't look like the kind of shot that really gives goalies nightmares. Passing is good, but not incredible. You know, I, I think last year his passing stood out in a positive way more so than this year. Defensively, I mean, again, just, just kind of average. There was a play that kind of stood out for the Lafreniere naysayers against the Flyers where he was approaching uh, the puck carrier in the neutral zone and just kind of stuck out his stick and missed him. And the Flyers ended up uh, gaining the zone and uh, scoring a goal there. So that wasn't good. Um, but again, you know, I, I don't think it helps Lafreniere that he's constantly moved up and down and all over the lineup. Uh, I'd love to see some consistency there. Would love to see the Rangers uh, just stick with lines that were working, namely the lines that were working when the Rangers won eight out of nine games. I, I can't believe how I have to just keep repeating this. It, it seems like such common sense. It's one of those situations where if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And again, just did not like the fact that Gallant seemed to go into that game against the Capitals with his finger on the button and ready to make all these, you know, wholesale changes up and down the lineup, despite the fact that the Rangers were winning. So that was unfortunate. And then, of course, uh, side effect of all that is that Lafreniere is a healthy scratch for this most recent game. Uh, the other thing, too, you know, there are some Lafreniere naysayers who say, well, you know what, he's just got to be better and this, that, and the other thing. And I hear you. I just acknowledge that I do think Lafreniere needs to play a little bit better, needs to be a little bit more engaged game to game uh, for this team. But I do see some people that, you know, now they're going after the Rangers for drafting Lafreniere. Look, the Rangers lucked into that number one overall pick that year. And basically, I believe every general manager in hockey that had the number one pick that year was going to take Alexi Lafreniere. He was far and away, according to the scouts, the best player available. The only two other players that were even in the stratosphere as far as being in contention to be the top pick were Quinton Byfield, who hasn't really done much with the Kings. Injuries have played a part there. And Tim Stutzla, who's, you know, racked up points with the Senators, but obviously hasn't really translated to a lot of success for that team, at least not yet. But I, I don't think too many GMs picking number one would have not taken Alexi Lafreniere. There might have been certain GMs that would trade the number one overall pick away because, well, we need more than just one guy and, you know, we can stockpile a bunch of picks and get a King's Ransom for this number one overall pick. But whoever ultimately made the first overall selection that year, they were going to take Alexi Lafreniere. So I don't really think you can jump on the Rangers for that. But to just kind of summarize the whole thing again, I do not agree with this decision to scratch Lafreniere, but I'm at least willing to see how it plays out. Uh, again, he was scratched last season and came back really strong after that. Maybe the same thing happens here. But if he is scratched for a second straight game, then again, I don't even know what we're doing or 
I mean, I, I won't even know what to say about it. I just will not even know what to say if Alexi Lafreniere is scratched for a second straight game while guys like Sammy Blay are playing, while guys like Johnny Brzezinski are playing. I don't need to go through the list. You guys know what I'm talking about. But it just paints a very murky future for Alexi Lafreniere if he's a healthy scratch for two consecutive games. But we'll see how the entire thing plays out. Like I said, do want to get to this game, but this Alexi Lafreniere debate, this situation, whatever you want to call it, it's got a lot of people kind of on edge, and I think it made sense to spend a good chunk of today's episode talking about it. So uh, like I said, we will get to Rangers Lightning in just a second. All right, so Rangers Lightning. We'll kind of just go ahead and go right to the big finish here. This game obviously went into overtime and then a shootout. The Rangers this season, after this game, now 2-4 and four in overtime and 1-2 and two in shootouts. They cannot win games that go past regulation, which is quite frustrating given the talent that the Rangers have and the seeming advantage that they would have in an overtime environment and in a shootout environment, but they just don't seem to win very often once the game goes past regulation. But overtime was pretty crazy. I mean, a couple of chances right away. The problem in the overtime period is the Rangers got way, way, way too pass happy. And I understand you're up against Vasilevsky and you think you have to be perfect and you think that extra pass is sometimes needed, but the Rangers and especially Artemi Panarin in the overtime period really gave up a lot of really good shots, really good scoring opportunities to pass to somebody who didn't have as good of an opportunity as the player who passed the puck. You know, first of all, the Rangers start with Trocek, Panarin, and Fox. Uh, Trocek loses the faceoff, but Vasilevsky turned the puck over. He was behind the net, and he couldn't play the puck because it went into the trapezoid, so that would be a penalty uh, if he did. So Panarin's got the puck, and instead of like just going toward the net and, and trying to take advantage of the fact that Vasilevsky is out of position and he's scrambling to get back and, you know, just kind of feeling for the net and everything. Uh, you know, Vasilevsky was really back on his heels here. And Panarin instead, you know, he just kind of hangs onto the puck looking to pass to somebody. And I think whether it's Panarin or anybody else, but especially somebody as talented as Panarin, what you need to do here is get a shot away. You know, you've got a goalie who was woefully out of position, turn the puck over, he's flustered, he's scrambling, and you give him that reprieve. You give him that opportunity to get back into the net while you're waiting to set up a pass. And the pass went absolutely nowhere. So uh, that was unfortunate. And then Panarin got another opportunity right after this on the same shift, shot the puck wide himself, which is another thing that's kind of been an issue for the Rangers in these two games uh, coming out of the break here is a lot of shots going wide of the net. I think more so against the Capitals than in this one. Um, but nevertheless, you know, you got to hit the net at some point here. That'll drive you crazy uh, when the entire team is shooting wide. Then Another opportunity for the Rangers, you had uh, Kucherov. He shot wide of the net, and the Rangers get a two-on-one. Panarin over to Mika Zibanejad, and Mika shot the puck wide of the net again. Another situation where, you know, I, I think Panarin had just as good of a shot as Mika. I mean, this one you could defend Panarin a little bit more because, you know, he's trying to make the pass, and it's a two-on-one situation. And, you know, if Mika hits the net there, then obviously it works. And it's not like it was an impossible pass that Panarin was trying here. He, he connected with the pass, but uh, Mika just could not finish. Then the Rangers end up with a uh, power play. This is after uh, Igor Shosturkin made a couple of good saves. And Igor was fantastic in this game. I thought this is one of the better games that we've seen Igor, Igor play. A lot of point-blank saves, tough glove saves against guys like Kucherov and Point and uh, Stamkos. You know, he was really standing on his head. Kalorn making a lot of really good saves against some of the better players on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Just situations where, you know, sliding pad saves, some really nice glove saves where he was extending up. Uh, Igor was on top of his game in this in this one. And I thought that it was almost kind of downplayed 
by the announcers. And, and don't get me wrong, Kenny Albert does a great job. He was in there for Sam, and Joe Micheletti's great too. I feel like with them, though, it's kind of like how it is with us, where it gets to a point where at times you take what Igor does for granted. I thought this was one of Igor's absolute best games of the season. He made a couple of really nice saves in the overtime period as well. But then uh, Philip Heedle draws a penalty. Uh, it's looking like he's going to you know, possibly be in on a rush. And Hedman takes him down in the neutral zone. Uh, he was throwing a fit, so was Stamkos, but the refs called the penalty. And the Rangers get on the power play with 2.54 to go, so they go with the usual suspects. Obviously, it's 4-on-3 instead of 5-on-4. So you get Kreider, Mika, Fox, and Panarin. No Trocek. Um, but just not a good power play here for the Rangers, and that's become a theme lately. I saw a stat where they're now one for their last 16, and... There was way too much passing here. You know, guys just being a little bit too fine with the puck, a little bit too deliberate. It's almost like they had too much time and too much space, and everybody's just kind of, you know, looking for that perfect opportunity. Instead of just cutting it loose, moving the puck around, you know, crisply, making some quick, fast passes. Everybody's just kind of passing the puck around the perimeter, and uh, just did not work, obviously. Um, you know, Kreider had a couple of tip-in tries, but he couldn't convert. Uh, Fox took a shot from the high slot that went wide. You know, good scoring opportunity for Fox. Another shot goes wide. Panarin shot wide. And again, like I was saying, Panarin had a lot of chances in overtime to shoot the puck and passed instead. Uh, you had Mika take a shot that was blocked. And uh, of course, the Lightning then clear the puck down the ice. So yeah, Rangers just missing a golden opportunity there. You would like to think that even though this power play unit had struggled, that they could come up big with a clutch goal in a clutch spot. Of course, having the man advantage in overtime, unfortunately, they were not able to do so. And you wonder also, you know, we were talking about Gallant and some of the decisions that he's made. At what point does it at least become an option to change things up on the top power play unit? Now, I have been hesitant to really push for this because look at the players that the Rangers have on the top power play. You know, it, it's just a who's who of dangerous scoring threats. I think they all complement each other very well with the skill sets that they bring to the table. But facts are facts. This Ranger power play unit, we are now close to 40 games into the season here, and the Rangers have a below average power play. And it's because of this top unit. It's not because of the second unit, because the second unit barely even plays. There was a power play in this game for the Rangers where the second unit did not even get on the ice. You know, the, the top unit was out there for the entire two minutes and didn't really do a whole lot with it. So it's on this top unit as far as why the Rangers have a power play unit that is now below average. They were ranked 17th coming into this game, and they obviously did not score on the power play, so their ranking could only have possibly gone down. So I just wonder, you know, at a certain point, does Trocek get moved from the top power play unit? Uh, do Panarin and Mika possibly get split up? Do we see a little bit more of an even divide between the top unit and the second unit? Uh, does Kreider get dropped down? I don't know, you know, but it, it's food for thought. I mean, sooner or later, something has to change here. I would imagine they'll get a couple more opportunities just because of their track record and how good they were last season. But at a certain point, I think you got to try something else. Then, of course, this game goes into the shootout and it ends up going uh, six rounds. Kalorn is able to score for the Lightning in the sixth and... Adam Fox was unable to score for the Rangers in the sixth as well. So that gave the game to the Lightning. And look, it's a shootout, glorified skills competition. I get that. But the thing that kind of bugged me a little bit watching this shootout, there were too many opportunities by the Rangers in this shootout where you just felt like this guy is not going to score. You know, there were just too many 
uh, nothing shootout opportunities for this team. And I get, you know, they're trying different things and they're trying to, you know, deceive Vasilevsky and figure out a way to score. But Trocek, what he did was never going to work. Uh, Mika, we've seen far better from him in the shootout. Just didn't really do anything, you know, little backhand forehand and just shot it right into the glove. Uh, obviously, Panarin scored because he's Panarin. That's just what he does in shootouts. 61.8% for his career coming into this game, which is just crazy. And then, of course, uh, Kako had a chance to win it in the fourth because Colton did not score for the Lightning. Good save there by Igor. Uh, Kako, some really good moves, faked to his forehand, went to his backhand, and put it off the post because that's just the way it goes for the Rangers. Uh, when the puck hits the post, if they shoot, it doesn't go in. If their opponents hit the post, it does go in. And we saw an example of that in the shootout as well. Uh, the Lightning scored a goal that went off the post and in. Um, so that was obviously unfortunate for the Rangers, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a shootout. Look, th this was a good game. I, I thought the Rangers overall played very well. Um, you know, they had chances to extend their lead when they were up one to nothing. Were not able to do so uh, a couple of times. You know, Panarin hit the post again in this game. Um, but the power play just isn't clicking for the Rangers right now. And they just aren't figuring out a way to finish. So that's going to have to change going forward for sure. Rangers going to be back in action on New Year's Day against the Panthers at 5 p.m. Definitely looking forward to that. A little bit of a strange start time, but uh, it'll be fun to watch that for sure. Um, but I figure we could pretty much call it there for today, guys. Once again, uh, I know I spent a lot of this episode focusing on Lafreniere and not so much talking about the game, but I thought that was really, really important given that it's a developing storyline for the Rangers. And of course, my hope is that Lafreniere is right back in there in the next game. Maybe he got the message. Maybe, uh, hey, this could work. You know, I know a lot of people are upset at Gallant and I didn't agree with the move either. Crazier things have happened than a player being a healthy scratch and then coming back and, you know, being a whole better version of himself. So this could end up working for the Rangers. We shall see. I'm willing to at least give it a chance, even though I did not agree with the move uh, as it was made. But once again, want to thank everybody for sticking with me this week. Uh, my voice is still, you know, kind of uh, beat up from COVID. And uh, I just want to thank you guys for being patient with me and sticking with the show, uh, hoping that for the new year, at least, uh, everything will be back to normal and I'll be able to talk without, you know, coughing. So that'll be good. Um, but once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Uh, definitely give the show a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On Sports Today. Peter Bukowski brings you the biggest stories from around the sports world in 20 minutes. Get the analysis and opinions before anyone else with our local and national experts and insiders. Locked On Sports Today podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.